Welcome to Sermons of Grace with Pastor David Murphy of the Grace Baptist Church in Gambles Terrace, Antigua. Last week in our study of the book of Romans, Pastor Murphy showed us that each time Paul uses the word sin, he is referring to the sin nature. Today, we'll dig deeper into the meaning of two more words from the first two verses of chapter 6. All right, turn with me please to the book of Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And I want to once again uh, read the first few verses of that chapter. Romans chapter 6, verse number 1 and verse number 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? The other word I want to notice in this text in verse, uh, verse 2, God forbid that uh, how shall we that are dead to sin, the word we, we, the first person plural personal pronoun, we, who is this we? Well, this we is the writer and his audience. So what Paul is doing, Paul is bracketing here himself with the believers. Paul is not saying sin shall not have dominion over your life. Paul is saying sin shall have dominion over our lives, my life too. This is what I want to say to you. What Paul is referencing here to is to the born again Blood washed, regenerated, justified, saved, Holy Ghost baptized believers. That's what he's saying. That's the we. How shall we who are dead to sin? The, the, The argument again, and I want to emphasize this, the unsaved man knows nothing about this death to sin. He absolutely has no inkling what we're talking about. As a matter of fact, when we use such words, it's a jargon that he can't comprehend. He, he did, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Because he knows one thing. He's not dead to sin. Sin controls him. But it's, it's, the point is that Paul distinguishes here and he talks about the believer is the one that is dead to sin. And by the way, such a claim that Paul is making here is not something that's idle or vapid or something that's empty. It's not just theological jargon that Paul is just attaching uh, to a verse of scripture, the Apostle Paul really sincerely no- believes and teaches that we believers, Paul and his audience, we are dead to sin. Okay. Scripture, in numerous passages, uh, tell us that this only refers to the believer. I, I would like us to look at a few passages for just a moment. If you look at John chapter 8. And verse uh, 32 to 34. Jesus told the people in his days, religious people, he said to them, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. They answered him, 
we be Abraham's seed. And we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? What kind of freedom are you talking about, Paul? He goes on. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever commit of sin is the servant of sin. The word is not commit of sin, you know. It's in the linear tense. He that is continuously committing sin is a servant of sin. The habit of sin. And the Jews refused to accept that. To them, well, you know, we are the ancestors of Abraham. We got, we got Jewish blood running in our veins. And we, we were never enslaved to anybody. That's not true in the first case. The Babylonians put them in slavery. The Assyrians put them in slavery. The Egyptians put them in slavery. But see, when you're so conceited or want to defend yourself, you speak things that are clearly not true. But notice here that he's making the point that the unsaved man, the unbeliever, in this case the Jews who were not responding to his message, even though they had some ancestral relationship to Abraham, and they had all kinds of religion, the fact that they were committing and committing, he said, you're a slave of sin. That's the unsaved man. Let's look at, let's look at John, um, uh, Acts chapter 8, sorry, Acts chapter 8. You'll find that this is the emphasis here, that this is, this we are Christians. The unsaved man is the very opposite. He, he has no freedom whatsoever. He's a slave. In, in uh, Acts chapter 8 and verse 23. Do you remember that Peter came to this location where Philip was? Samaria. And you remember there's a man there who was a, a kind of a magician. And uh, Peter preached and he, the Bible says he believed. You remember the story? He believed and he got baptized. You remember the story? And then he saw uh, Peter and, and John able to do something. They were able to put their hands and the Holy Spirit came upon people. So he, he thought, man, alive, this is good. I'll, I'll cash into this. Mercenary. He's seeing religion as a means to, to enrich himself. I mean, this is power. And he comes to, and he, he asks, how, how, do I, how do I get this gift? How do I buy this gift? I mean, I mean this, I'm a, I'll be a magic man. I make millions. I'll drive a big jet. Get a million dollar house. You know, I'll travel the world. And I'll use designer shoes and designer garments. That's how he saw it. But I want you to notice what Peter told him in, in verse number 23. He said, For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the what? The bondage to iniquity. You're in bondage, man. You're not free. You made a profession. You got baptized. But you're not free. You're not saved. That's what he's saying. By the way, this same man, Simon, is the one that in church history committed what is called simony. He's the one that started selling church gifts. Offices for money. See? See? This is one of the passages of scripture that tell you a person can be said they believe a person can be baptized and still not be saved. And it happened with Peter. Why do we not think it could happen to us? Huh? But the point is, he said you're in the bondage of iniquity. The concept there is this bond, this enslavement. Uh, if you look at Ephesians chapter 2. 
you will see that the Apostle Paul expresses similar sentiments. We believers have been set free. We believers are not under the domination of sin. We don't have to yield because sin has been dethroned in our sinful nature. But the unsaved man is not referring to him. He's the very opposite. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3. He says in verse 2, Wherein in times past you walk according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Verse 3. Among whom also we had our conversation, our man of life in times past. And what? The lust of the flesh. The desires of the flesh. That's what controlled us. And of the mind. And were by nature the children of wrath. Every single person sitting here this morning who has been regenerated, when you look back on your past, you were controlled by something called your lust. Your lust. It mastered your life. You look back on it now and you're ashamed that it had such a power over you. See? But you couldn't help yourself. That power was not broken, so you couldn't help yourself. You, you were under so much domination, so much control. Sin mastered your life. See? The king reigned. And even though you want to say no, you said no. <laughs> I am told, by the way, that's why women get into trouble all the time. Yeah. Can I get a kiss? No. No. Can I hug you? Oh, no. <laughs> what that means is yes. That's what that means yes. No. If you ask, may I put my no? <laughs> Different story altogether. Different story altogether. Turn to me to Titus chapter 3. And verse, verse 3 of chapter 3. He said, For ye ourselves also were sometimes what? <laughs> Honest to God, that's truth about that. We were foolish. I don't know an unsafe person who don't look back on some of the silly things they did. And don't say, man, I was really, really foolish. I think I told you that uh, when I was a, when I was foolish, before I was a Christian. I don't know if I told you this. Bear with me for just a moment. They had this wall house. Two story wall house. And we, 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 we live in a one story building. And they had. Uh, that house had some pretty girls in it. When I tell you pretty. I mean pretty. Real pretty girls. And brother Neville. You would not believe what I did. To try to get those girls attention. I know they can sit down in the house. I am not kidding you. Every Saturday, my father had what you call a hi-fi that would go around paying for dances. And I got on the hi-fi and the thing, and I dancing away. I, 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 I do it, I do the boogie, I do everything. And I'm, I'm, I'm peeping all the time. I want to see if they're seeing me. There are times when I look back on that, and I said, boy, you were so foolish. But at the time you couldn't see it, honestly, you just couldn't see it. It was, it was just, you know, it's, 
And that's why uh, Titus is correct when he says, uh, we were foolish. Verse 3, we were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers, lust and pleasure. We were slaves to these things. We don't have to be slaves any longer because something miraculous has happened in your life at regeneration. God has taken a surgical tool and he has peered away the sin nature from your personality. And I'll tell you what he's put in between there shortly. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin shall not control you. But the unsaved man, pity him. Pity her. Because he's in bondage. Total bondage. Tonight I wish I had, uh, look at one other verse quickly, uh, Luke chapter 4 and verse number 18. By the way, I've done some other silly things that, <laughs> to get attention. <laughs> look back at that and I said, boy, you were real ignoramus. <laughs> but I suppose we've all done silly things like that as well. Uh, by the way, adults still doing silly things as well. You ever see these, uh, these old women in their 50s and 60s dressed up with leotards? No, I wish someone, honestly, I wish that sometimes you could take a picture and, and send it home to those and say, this is exactly how you look. It's a shocker. A real, real shocker. I see it so frequently that I am, and by the way, let me ask you a question. If you've got tires, you know what tires are? Yeah. Tires is when this part here gets a little, a little, a little you know, it, it's falling over. Now, why would you put on something tight if you've got t tires? I just don't figure why would you do that? It doesn't make you attractive. Well, it doesn't make me attractive to you, but maybe I can't see. Old women dress up like young women. Old men want to be psycho boys. <laughs> you talk about the foolishness of sin, the ignorance of sin. <laughs> Paul nails it right here. You talk about Paul understanding human nature. Paul nails it right here. See? But notice that we serve divers' lust. The point I'm making here uh, this evening, that's not true of us. That's true of the unsaved person. By contrast, the believer is no longer under the dominion of this power. Look in chapter 6 and verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. The sin nature shall not have dominion over you. That's what, look at verse number 17. But God be thanked. That ye were the servants of sin. Past tense were. Not are. You were the servants of sin. Uh, verse 17. But have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered. On. Now here is the point he's making. You've taken the doctrine of teaching taught you. You grabbed hold of it by faith. You are now applying it to your life. That's the point. It's the truth that sets free. 
There's no magic wand to how you can live a victorious life. It is getting hold of what God says I, has done, I have done for you. Act on that. Believe that. Take it by faith and say, I'm no longer a slave. I'm no longer under the dominion of sin. The power is broken. God has severed the sin nature from my personality. And by the way, a lot of times, victory is about arguing with that mind of yours that is so trained to think a certain direction that you have to renew your mind again and again until you obey that word of truth. See. Look at verse 18. Being then what? Made free. You've been made free. Look at verse number 22. But now, being made free from sin, you've become what? The servant of righteousness. Now God doesn't free you to let you live an independent, autonomous life. God frees you so that you begin to serve God because we will serve someone. Man was meant to serve. You're either serving God, you're serving your flesh, or you're serving the devil. But you will serve somebody. You see the difference? The believer is not like that. He's free. Look at the other verse I want to draw your attention to. 1 John chapter 3. Look at verse number 8. 1 John chapter 3 verse 8. Uh, to verse number 10. He that committeth sin is of the devil. That's not what it should be. Now, I don't like to, like I'm correcting the Bible so you can't trust the Bible. But in the Greek language, you cannot express in the Greek language the tenses as they should be expressed. What it really means in verse <coughs> number 8. He that is practicing sin. Continue, it's in the continuous linear tense. The habitual practice of sin is of the devil. But wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, John. Those words are too abrasive. Why do you put a, another, another word there? He can't. He can't. Go, look, look what it goes on to say in that same passage. He that is habitually committing sin is of the devil. For the devil sinner from the beginning. For this purpose. The Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. He came to disarm the enemy. He just, you know, the, the strong arm man has been dis disarmed. That's why Christ came. But goes on, notice he says, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Again, it's not that he that is born of God does not habitually commit sin. That's the point that's being made. He's no longer a slave to sin. There's no habitual practice of sin. Does that disturb you? It should. Is it wrong? Let God be true and every man a liar. That's scripture. You don't accept one and, and, and say, I don't, I don't like that one, you know, and I can interpret it how I want to interpret it. 
And he goes on to say, in verse number 9, Whoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his what? Seed. That's the point I want to make next. When you are regenerated, a miracle takes place in your life. God, as it were, takes a surgical tool and separates your sin nature from your personality and he puts in between there what is called the divine nature. The seed is planted. You cannot understand Christianity without not understanding the miracle of the new birth. Christianity is more than just saying a little prayer and closing your eyes and saying, Jesus, come into my heart. It's more than that. A miracle takes place in your life. I will never be the same again. Oh, no. I can't sing that. I wish I could sing it. I'll never be the same again because when you get saved, when you get regenerated, a surgical work has happened. Your character, your personality, and, the, and your sinful nature are separate and the divine nature is placed in between. Never again. The twain shall be two. That, sir, is the miracle of regeneration. And that brings me to the next point that Paul uses in this passage. If Paul uses the word dead. In verse number six, verse number two of chapter six, he said, How shall we that are dead to sin continue in it any longer? Now, I hope you understand that when the Bible talks about death, death is always a separation. Physical death is when your body is separate from your spirit. Spiritual death is when your spirit is separate from God. Eternal death is when your whole personality is separate from God forever. Death is always a separation. And when Paul said that we have been made dead to sin. Paul is saying a separation has taken place between your sin nature and your personality. That's why he uses the word death. By the way, if you go through uh, scripture, you will find that this is explained in some detail. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. And verse number 3 and verse number 4. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, uh, Peter says, Blessed, and uh, I've got the wrong verse, where Paul says that we have now got the new nature of God in the believer. Uh, I'm not too sure why I don't have that verse, but I've got here verses 1 to 3. But we become made partakers of the divine nature. That's the expression. You can probably check it in your concordance. That's the point I'm making. That when the believer is regenerated, God, as it were, takes a surgical knife and separates the believer's sinful nature from his personality. And he puts the divine nature right there. See? So that the believer is no longer under the dominion of sin. He's now dead to sin. Dead in the sense that the power of sin no longer rules the believer's life. And that's why Paul uses the word death. 
A death took place when you got converted. A death took place when you got regenerated. God, as it were, created a severance between your sin nature and your personality and put the divine nature so that no longer does that sin nature control you. That's the wonderful truth that the Bible teaches in the Word. And that's why we talk about the miracle of regeneration. The miracle of regeneration. Do you know that Paul says in Ephesians that the amount of power it takes to save you is the same power it took to raise Jesus from the dead? Do you know that's in the Bible? Are you aware that's in the Bible? I repeat, the power it took to bring Jesus from the dead is the same power it took to save you, to regenerate. A miracle took place. That's why the Bible calls us a new man, a new person, a new creature. Something was created that was not there before. You see why Paul bolts, recoils at the very thought that the believer can habitually live in sin? And by the way, this word dead, the tense of this word is the aorist tense. Let me explain what that means. Paul is not saying, by the way, look at verse number, go back to verse, uh, verse number 2 of chapter 6 of Romans. This is how people read this, right? Some people read this to mean, when Paul says, God forbid, how shall we that are, I notice the present tense, how shall we that are dying to sin living in, that's how people interpret that. The King James got the present tense. The Greek language doesn't have the present tense. Here's how it should be translated. How, how can we, having died to sin? That's the language. And here's what the aorist tense teaches, right? The aorist tense is that an action takes place in the past that will never be repeated again. It's a, a, a finality about that. The linear tense is something continuously happened. But Paul is saying when you got regenerated, God took a surgical knife as it were, created a severance between your sin nature and your personality, and God implanted his new nature in you, and God did that once and for all time. That's what he's teaching there. So not that you are dying to sin, but you have died to sin. In the areas that something in the past that's not to be repeated. It's not even in the perfect tense, by the way. It's completed action. And Paul is very careful uh, to assert that this miracle has taken place, this permanent action has taken place in the believer's life, uh, and it's something that God will not repeat again. That is why. Paul talks about this new man. Look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 15. For in Christ Jesus, there's neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. You know, the Jews were always 
boastful that I got circumcised when I was eight days old. So I am part of the Abrahamic covenant. I belong to God because I was, I got the knife in me. And Paul says, listen, where do you got circumcised and all this immaterial? But notice what he says in verse 15. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. But what? In what? A new creature. That's what Christianity is about. It's not about your religious heritage and you belong to a pedigree of people who used to go to this church and the next church and you know it ain't got nothing to do with that it has to do with the fact that you have been made a new creature and by the way the same way that God created the earth and made the earth the same way he regenerates a believer his power performs a miracle in your life that he severs your sin nature from your personality, puts the divine nature, and that will never be repeated again. Therefore, Paul says, sin shall not reign in your life. Sin has been dethroned. It's no longer the master. And I will say to any believer, and I want to say this with all honesty, if you find that you are habitually sinning and you have no victory over sin, you have every right to ask one question. Am I in the faith? Let a man examine himself, Paul says, to find out if he's in the faith. Because sin shall not have dominion. A miracle took place, man. You know, you've heard me say from this pulpit countless times. Christianity is far more serious than we make it. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says that you put on the what? The new man. You don't buy a new man in the store. Paul is saying the new man is within you. Now let that new man be your dress as it were. That's what he's saying. Put on this new man that you have. You, you've got him. Put him on. Act it out in your life. Stop acting as though you're still the same old person you were. You're not the old person any longer. You're a new man. See. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 10. And I've put on what? The new man, see. And then he goes on, which is renewed in knowledge, etc., etc. And by the way, that's why you need the word of God, by the way. The new nature in you has to be fed. The only way that, there's only one food for the new nature, that's the word of God. That's why I said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mother of God. That new man has to be fed. And that's where the word of God is a vital part of a believer's life. Some believe they're anorexic. Totally anorexic. And then look at Second Peter uh, chapter 2 verse 2. As newborn what? Babes. That's the illustration. When you come to faith in Christ and regenerated, you're like a you're like a baby that is born. You're a different person. You're a new person. You're an old person and you're the old man. But when you get saved, you're like a new babe in Christ. Something has happened. 
You're different. Anything short, anything short of this is not authentic Christianity. It's a matter of self-deception. Salvation changes you. Saul's become Paul's. Sons of thunder become sons of mercy. Harlots become chaste. Warmongers become peacemakers. Liars become men of integrity. Extortioners become generous givers. The immoral becomes moral. The abuser becomes the protector. The homosexual becomes a heterosexual. The gender fluidity becomes gender rigidity. In other words, there's a change. You're not the same. Let's take God seriously. That when God says a miracle takes place in your life at regeneration, that will change you and change your character and change your personality and change your habit. Let's take that to be true. Don't judge God's word by what you see. You judge God's word by what it says. See? Otherwise, we'll be pandering to people's weaknesses and endorsing their lifestyle. And we don't help them when we don't speak truth to them. We encourage them and embolden them to do wrong and remain in the wrong. We ought to call them out and say, that is not of God. And you cannot continue practicing this because he that is born of God does not continually have to you practice sin. That's the book as it is in scripture. And we must take the book for what it says. Change is real. And I believe it. I'm going to stop here. I've got two more points. We're going to stop here. And uh, I hope I have not tested your patience. And I know that we dealt with this, these two verses in the previous message. But I really felt that we need to just take each word and just begin to analyze it and understand the application of it. Because I really want, by the time we finish chapter 6, that every one of us understand one thing. The power of sin is broken in our life. And we no longer have to say, yes, master, yes, master. We say to, to sin, you no longer rule over me. I'm no longer under your power. I have victory in Christ. I'm a new person. I'm regenerated. I don't have to obey you. See? I act on faith. See? I remind you the problem with Israel, the Bible says, they, they didn't have a mix with faith. They heard the law, but there was no faith. We in the book of Galatians, in the book of Hebrews, the problem was it's not that they didn't know, what they were, but they didn't have any faith. To believe what was said. So it didn't profit them. And the only way that you will ever benefit from the word of God. And what the word of God teaches. Is when faith takes hold of that and says. If God says that is true. That is true. God can't lie. I now begin to live on the basis of what God has said. Sin shall not have dominion. Sin will no longer control you. Because God has done a work. A miraculous work in your life. And so Paul says, it's an anomaly. It's abhorrent for a believer to believe he could continuously, habitually live in sin. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the patience of these dear people who sat and listened. We trust that we have not exhausted their patience. We trust that we have tried to, as much as possible, enlighten them to your word. And I just pray, Lord, you help us to be faithful in teaching what your word says. Oh, Lord, 
your truth is exalted above your name. And you've given to us treasure in your word. And we've counted it, as the Bible says, as a, a simple thing, a little thing. Oh God, may your truth so take hold of your people that we understand the freedom we have in Christ. And that the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And Christ has freed the believer by the act of regeneration. Now we got to act it out and apply it and work it out in our lives. Let this be a year of victory and triumph. That we understand we no longer have to be dominated and controlled by our desires and our passions. Our lust. That Christ's power can reign in our lives. As we take hold of scripture by faith. And reckon it to be so and live it out to be so. Embolden us to know victory and triumph this year. Oh Lord, every single born again believer has that innate desire. To be more holy, to be more righteous. That's the desire that you've implanted within us. Would you once again rekindle that passion within us. When we pursue righteousness and holiness. May this be our meat and our drink. As we rise up and we, we sleep and we go wrong in our daily duties. May our concern would be to glorify Christ in all of his greatness, all of his beauty. That men would see in our lives this transformation that is so gloriously attractive when we truly display the life of Christ in our lives. Help us, Lord. We need your help. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Be sure you join us again next time here on Sermons of Grace as Pastor Murphy digs deeper into Romans chapter 6. If you'd like to contact Pastor David Murphy or Grace Baptist Church, please call 268-462-4230 or visit during one of their service times. Sunday school is at 9 a.m., Sunday morning at 10 a.m., Sunday evening at 7 p.m., or Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Grace Baptist Church is located on Rowan Henry Street in Gambles Terrace, Antigua.